Shalom, this is Rabbi Brian. If our podcasts have been a blessing to you, will you please consider being a blessing to the nation of Haiti? Mishkan David supports two works of the Lord in Haiti. The first is our Beth Chesed Orphanage, where almost 40 children are cared for and taught about the God of Israel and the Messiah Yeshua. We also support Messianic congregation Mishkan Yeshua Haiti, which is overseen by our own Rabbi Peter Oliveira. Adonai is doing a supernatural work there to bring the love of Yeshua and the restoring power of his Torah to the entire nation. Visit www.torahforhaiti.org. That's www.torah, number four, haiti.org to sponsor a child at our orphanage or to make a one-time tax-deductible donation. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you as you listen to the word delivered at our Mishkan David Shabbat service. Shalom. So I'll start with a little bit of a funny story. Uh, most people know that, um, that I, I never attended a, a church in my life. Um, Jewish, went to synagogue a little bit as a kid. My parents weren't necessarily religious. Um, I met my wife, and we started to go to the Messianic Jewish synagogue, and it's there where I met the Lord and I accepted the Lord. So I, I, um, I started my relationship with God in the Messianic Jewish synagogue in New Jersey, served there for 11 years, then came to Rhode Island and started to attend Mishkan David. So with that, there's various things within um, the church culture, uh, church holidays, uh, even some church theologies that I'm actually not very familiar with. So there's a little bit of a story. I've shared this before. It was a couple of years ago where a pastor who I never met contacted me <coughs> and asked me if um, I can go to his church and speak on Palm Sunday. And I said, you know, not, not on Palm Sunday, speak about Palm Sunday. So I said, yes. But one question, what's Palm Sunday? <laughs> and he goes, what's Palm Sunday? You know, it's the beginning of Holy Week. And I said, okay, good. What's Holy Week? <laughs> so then he explained <laughs> what, it, what it is. And then I said, aha, I understand it, and wouldn't you know it, even that from a Jewish perspective, there is an answer, and there is a teaching. And since Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday, is tomorrow, right? I'll do a little bit of a teaching on Palm Sunday to start. So today on the Jewish calendar is a, a very special Shabbat, and it is called Shabbat Haggadol, which is the great Sabbath. It's always the Sabbath before Passover. So what event does today Shabbat Haggadol celebrate? So let me go back to Torah and I'm going to read something from Exodus, which is what happened on, back then, the Shabbat before Passover. The day can turn out to not be on the Sabbath, but it's celebrated on the Sabbath before Passover every year in Judaism. And it is the following, from Exodus 12, 3. 
On the 10th day of this month, that's the first month, that's the month we're in. On the 10th day of this month, they are each to take for themselves a lamb to their father's house, a lamb for each house. So this is the time that all of the families of Israel took a lamb into their home in preparation for Passover, which is in a few days where that little lamb gets slain and eaten for Passover. So on the 10th day of this month, so the 10th day, what day? On the first month, this happens. What goes in? Uh, goes where? Which house? The what? No, the, the lamb goes where? The beach house. That's funny. The lamb goes where? To the father's house. The lamb goes to the father's house. Getting it so far? The lamb goes to the father's house. Okay, so here is what um, um, fulfills it in the New Testament. So these are things that you would just miss if you don't have a, a Hebrew mindset and a Torah-based mindset. John 12, verses 1 through 11, speaks about a dinner. And John writes, Yeshua, therefore, six days before Passover, six days before Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, and they made him dinner. This is the dinner when Yeshua and Lazarus and Mary and Miriam, they had a dinner together, and Mary, you know, anointed his feet with the perfume, the expensive perfume, and... and uh, Judas said, what are you doing? That could be used for the poor. You know the story, right? So that's all John 12, 1 through 11. When did it happen? Six days before Passover. Passover is when? Passover is on the 15th day of the month. The lambs are slain at the evening of the 14th, and then we come to the 15th. That is day one of Passover, okay? So if Passover's on the 15th of the month and this dinner happened six days before Passover, what day of the month did the dinner happen? The ninth of the month, one day before this event, correct? Well, what, that's John 1 through 11, John 12, 1 through 11. What does John 12 start with? Therefore, oh, therefore the dinner took place on the ninth of the month. So if that all took place, John 12, verses 1 through 11, John 12, verse 12 starts with, on the next day, the large crowd who comes to the feast took the branches of the palm trees and began to shout, Hoshiana, answer us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's Palm Sunday. That happened on the exact same day that the lamb goes into the father's house. On the exact same day that the lamb is taken into the homes, Yeshua, the lamb of God, comes into Jerusalem, his father's house, on the exact same day. Matthew continues on what happened immediately following the palm thing with the donkeys. He continues, and Yeshua entered the temple and drove out who were the buying and selling. That all happened on the 10th day of the month. The day that the lamb went where? The father's house. Yeshua goes into his father's house. In fact, the 
prophet's reading. Uh, the uh, Jewish people have a reading, not just a Torah reading, but a pro- prophet reading from the books of the prophets called the Haftorah reading. And the Haftorah reading is from Malachi 3, which says, Behold, I'm coming to send my messenger. He will clear the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. That is read also on this day, today. And that is the day that Yeshua enters into the temple. So all of that is really the biblical fulfillment of Palm Sunday. It all, once again, goes back to Torah. All of it. If, if, you, if you're able to see in the New Testament, in the Brit Hadashah, how, how much the New Testament is based on the old. It, it, it will blow you away. You know, you can, we can eat fruit from the, from the store and it's, it's hel- and it's good and, it's, and it's, it's shiny and it's tasty and we lose the sense of how it was once connected to a tree which was connected to the roots. And the New Testament is like the fruit. It's like the spiritual fruit, but it has to be connected to the root. And when it's connected to the root, there's amazing things that, that come out. There's one story. I'm going to share it. It's, it's, it's one of those wonderful little mysteries, hints, in the New Testament, how, how much it's connected to Torah in such detailed ways, okay? There is a story. Uh, this is after Yeshua uh, died and rose again. Now, we learn the characters because we read the Bible so much. We, we learn the characters. We know a little bit about the characters. We know about Peter. We know he was a fisherman, you know, and we know also about John. The Bible speaks about the Apostle John, how, how Yeshua loved him. But I don't know if you realize this, that it also says that John was a descendant of a high priest. It specifically says that in Acts 4. It says that uh, Caiaphas and Annas were there, along with John, who was the descendant of the high priest. And there's this one time um, during Yeshua's trial when the high priest brought Yeshua into his office, right, into his chamber, and John was able to go in because he was known by the high priest, it says, but Peter wasn't allowed in until John said, he's with me, and then he was allowed. Do you understand that? So he was, he was a high priest. That made him a Sadducee, okay? So he was part of the priestly family, John. So now we have the story. Yeshua is resurrected. Uh, Miriam, Mary comes running to the disciples and said, the Lord's body is not in the tomb. So then they start, Peter and John start to book it, right? So they start running towards the tomb. And apparently John was a little faster because he got there first. Peter, I guess, was a little out of shape. You know, he's lagging behind, huffing and puffing. And it says John gets to the tomb and stopped at the edge of the tomb and and waited. Peter finally (laughs) catches up, goes in. (laughs) Peter, he loves to hear his name. (laughs) Peter gets in, runs, passes John goes into the tomb, looks at all the garments, throws them all over the place, realizes that there's no body there. Once it was confirmed that there's no body there, John goes into the tomb. It specifically lists that. You can overlook it until you realize 
that John was a priest. He's from that family. And according to Torah, priests are not allowed to go next to dead bodies. Even in Jewish funerals today, if you're a Kohen, part of that line, you won't go in if you're Orthodox. You'll stay away from that. So even something as simple as that, a simple little narrative that we can overlook about them running to the tomb, has its root in the Torah. And I believe this is the day, this is the time, that the Lord is reconnecting the fruit to the root. And he's bringing forth the realization of how Jewish the New Testament is. And I'm going to keep saying it until God says to me, don't say it no more. But I believe that we're in a time of great revival. And it's going a part of this revival is going to be the realization of the Hebrew roots of this thing, of this Jewish roots of this thing. That it's going to become much more widespread than it is right now. And I believe, like I said, and I'm going to keep saying it until God says don't say it no more. The Torah is like the roots. It's like the ground. And the things of the Spirit are like the fruit. But when the fruit is connected to the root, you're going to see in the body an outpouring of and a growth of healthy fruit. Now that the things of the Spirit are connected back to the root, you're going to now see the tree grow. And you're going to see fruit that is healthy. may look a little different to you Pentecostals. But it'll be healthy fruit and growing fruit. Let me explain it another way, a little bit from this Torah portion. So this Torah portion, Tzav, is actually the middle Torah portion in the entire Torah. Now, not everybody looks at it that way. I've seen a lot of articles like, what's the middle chapter or the middle word in the whole Bible? But here is the middle parsha, the middle portion of the whole Torah. And within it, you can find the word that is the middle word of the Torah. And the middle word of the Torah, the exact middle, is the word foundation, which is yesod. So the middle of the Torah is the foundation. And we know that the Torah is the foundation of everything. The Torah is the foundation of everything. But here in that word, yesod, there's a mystery. Because yesod also means yah, which is the name of God, and sod, which is secret. So yesod, which means foundation, if you break it into two words, means the secret of God. And we're all interested in like, the because the secrets of God is about the mysteries of God. 
It's, it says that the secrets belong to the Lord and he reveals to us, right? And even of Yeshua, it says that it was, it was held secret for ages past, it says in the, at the end of, of, uh, of Romans. But if, yes, so, the secret of God is connected to the foundation. It's in the same word. So the, so the, so the, so the secret of God, the mysteries of God, the spiritual mysteries that we seek, that we love, has to be connected to the root. It has to be connected to Hayasod, the foundation. So when you see the mysteries, the secret of God, placed back where it's supposed to be, which is in Yasod, the foundation, that's when you're going to see, I believe, an incredible, incredible outpouring. This is why I feel so strong that it's important to sanctify this time of Bikarin, this time of first fruits that, that we're entering into in preparation for Pentecost, Shavuot, and what the Lord is going to do after. I think it's very, very, very important. God is about to pour out new wine. Yeshua always pours out new wine. <laughs> the best wine. <laughs> he's about to pour out new wine. And he's always pouring out new wine. He's always pouring out new wine. He's always pouring out new wine. The challenge is the receiving of the new wine because of our wineskins. And we know the parable, and I don't think everybody fully understands the parable. There's a couple things that Yeshua was doing just before those parables. Number one, he was eating with sinners. He was eating with tax collectors, and the Pharisees were saying, why are you eating with these sinful people? He was being challenged on who he was hanging out with, on who he was rolling with. Immediately after that, the Pharisees and the disciples of Yochanan, the immerser, John the Baptist, they were all fasting. So apparently there was a Jewish fast happening. I don't know what it was. I don't think it was Yom Kippur. It was probably, it was some other rabbinically mandated fast and they were all fasting and they went to Yeshua and they said why aren't your disciples fasting so number one he challenged the Pharisees and who to hang out with it went against their paradigm of who to hang out with number one number two he challenged their man-made traditions And he had his disciples eat. And then he says two things, and this is really, really, really important. He said, you don't put a new patch on a ripped old garment. Because what happens when you wash the thing? The old garment is shrunk as far as it's going to go. But the new patch is going to shrink. And it's going to make the, the tear even worse. And he said, you don't put new wine into old wineskins. Why? Because the old wineskins are expanded to the point that they can expand no more. So when the wine ferments and starts to bubble up and expand, the wineskins are going to break. So you only put the new wine into new wineskins. 
So what is the old garment and what is the old wineskins? And what is, where is Yeshua in this? Well, Yeshua is the new patch, right? Because we're, we're an old ripped garment and Yeshua comes in with a patch. And we're like an old wineskin and Yeshua comes in with new wine. But what does this mean? What he's saying and what he's saying to the Pharisees and what he's saying to us is that the ways of God, you must in yourself have the ability to expand and contract. You cannot stop the growth or the shrinking that the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish in you. The Pharisees at that time were stuck in their ways and they could not, if the new one comes in, they could not expand. And there are things in us, in us that the Lord wants to shrink in us. There are things that the Lord wants to die in us. There's pride that needs to die. And when the Yeshua, the patch comes on, it starts to shrink and he tries to shrink us. We have to be flexible with the way the Lord is working in us. We have to be able to grow or shrink as the new wine comes in. Because if we don't and we remain hard and hard-hearted to what the Lord is doing within us, the vessel will break and the wine will be wasted. But when we have new wineskins, which means when we are able to grow when he wants us to grow. Listen, we love the plans of God. We love the plans of God. We love what God is doing. We love the plans in our life, the future, the hope. We love all these things. What we don't love is the way he wants to get us there. That's where we become hard. Because we see where we are, and we see the promises, and we have a really good idea of how to get there. But God has different ideas. And when we become hard to it, we are old wineskins. When he wants to shrink us, and we don't allow the process to happen, we're the old garment. We have to be receptive to the way the Lord wants to fulfill the promises in our lives. And when we have the ability to step back and put away our own desires, you know, the children of Israel had a really good way of getting from Egypt to the promised land. It's right there. Let's go. God had a little bit of a different idea. 40 years of that. Let me give it a little example, simple example. So like every, I've learned as, as a rabbi here that the Lord will give me vision, okay? And I'll have a vision for something. But if I stick to how that vision is going to be manifest, it will never be manifest. Let me, let me give an example. I've been praying for years for a full-size Torah scroll. And God put on my heart that it will come as a gift. That we won't have to go and search it out and, and go buy one. 
And it was always on my heart. All of a sudden, this one rabbi comes to me and says, you know, I have one for you, but it's $1,800, which, as I've said before, it was a, a great price. Now, I could have just been really hard about it and said, nope, doesn't match the vision. But I found that when I'm flexible, because we all hear it just in part, and if I don't hold on to something like grim death, you know, and allow the Lord to build this thing, even though it's a little bit different from how I originally thought, and have that give the Lord the breathing room to do his thing, to expand and contract, to breathe out, to breathe in. If I just have, nope, 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 $1,800, not, not going to do it. I never thought that it would be on the Torah portion of, of Teruma when everybody just gave and it was more than enough. I never had the thought that I would just say, give one offering and say, look, guys, we need $1,800, and if you guys have a heart for it, give. I'm only going to take up one offering, and three times the amount came in. This, this was never on, in my plan. Never in my plan. But if I was not flexible enough to say, okay, I have a vision for what the gift looks like, but how it gets executed by God is, is entirely different. And for me to be open to the way God is going to work in this thing. If I was not open to it, we wouldn't have this little guy. Big guy. There are two areas that, that Yeshua spoke to uh, the Pharisees. One, who they hung out with and two, their man-made traditions. And Yeshua's got no problem going up sideways with those things. I'll tell you, you know, one, one thing I love about Mishkan David, I, I just love about congregations, and, and, you know, we go through these times, I know in our lives, we're like, you know what, I'm not going to go to a congregation anymore. I'm going to just sit at home, and I'm going to watch the guys on the internet, you know, and I'm going to you know, join the chat rooms, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, and, we, and it's okay. We go through seasons where we're like, you know, we're not in a congregation. But I really encourage everybody, whether it's here or somewhere else, to be a part of a congregation, okay? And it's great when you come into a congregation and you're like, this place is awesome. I feel so at home. Oh, thank you, Lord. Everybody's so nice. You know, like... It's great when that happens. Hallelujah. It's wonderful when everybody's all getting along. But you know what the best part of congregational life is? Because it's other people that will go up you sideways. And God is faithful to have those people put in your life so the stuff that you're dealing with inside comes out. And you have to be flexible. And it takes a maturity to say, okay. This, I, I'm, I'm, this jealousy is coming out in this place. Or, I really don't like this person. So, Lord, instead of just leaving, I'm going to submit myself to the process of what you're doing in this. Because in doing that, you are new wineskins. In doing that, you are new garments. If you just leave because somebody upsets you, you just set yourself up for it again because God is faithful to have these things within you become exposed. I said last week that what happens in the month of Adar is underground and what happens in this month in the month of Nisan is revealed out publicly. So the things that God works within you 
the things that are the plans that he's working in you in Adar is about to come forth. But also the things that he's working on you to destroy within you, to kill, to die within you. He also is faithful to bring that up to the light so it can be dealt with. And that, when you submit to that process, that is new wineskins because the Lord is pouring into you and you are allowing the wine to expand. You are allowing the growth. You are allowing the wineskins to be stretched. Are you feeling stretched? God may be pouring new wine into you. So if you don't submit to it, you are an old wineskin, and the skin will be destroyed and the wine will be lost. When God stretches us, we, sub- we have to submit to that. Let me explain what happens in congregations. It's an amazing divine thing. So uh, God gave me once a vision for congregations, how it says that we're living stones. You know where it says, like, we're living stones in the house of the Lord. And I was thinking, like, what is a living stone? Well, a stone is, is like, I don't it's, it's shaped a certain way. But it's shaped that way forever. That's a regular stone. A living stone is breathing. And it's morphing. And they have a congregation where all these living stones, they're all shaped and colored a little bit differently. They're all kind of stacked up. Now here comes somebody else into the congregation. And they're shaped like a square. And here they come. And they're like, hallelujah, here I come into the congregation. There better darn well be a place for me because I'm a square. And if there isn't one right now, you better make a space for me because this is what I have to bring to you. And I need to click into there. And then when all of a sudden this square, you know, is trying to fit in and is just kind of hitting rocks You know, all of a sudden, the square's going, what's happening here? This place, what's the word, squelches the Holy Spirit? Is that the word what people say? Quenches. Is that that good or bad? That's bad. What's bad? Quench the Holy Spirit? They quench the Holy Spirit. They're not receiving me. Off I go. And they leave. But when the square, when the square submits to the stretching process, Because we are a congregation of living stones, which means you may look like a square today, but Adonai is stretching you into something else. Or he's shrinking you into something else. He may be stretching you like the wineskins. He may want to shrink you like the garment. But when we submit to that, instead of just leaving, all of a sudden, and this is what I love about congregational life here or other places, All of a sudden, because the living stones start to, you know, because we're always moving, you know, and it's shifting. And then you were once shaped like a square. All of a sudden, your edges start to smooth out. And you start to develop little bumps here and little curves here. And what you thought you came into this place with at some point ago, really, they better accept me. All of a sudden, you're shaped a little bit differently. And if you let that process of expanding and shrinking happen, all of a sudden, in the right time, you fit right in. Because we're all in this process of growing and, and twisting and reshaping.
And the biggest detriment, the biggest blockage to receiving the new wine that God has, the biggest blockage is your stubbornness and your your inability to shrink and to expand along with the Spirit of God. So if you're being stretched in your life, good. If you're being stretched, good. If you're feeling the stretch and the pull, good. That is what happens to new wineskins. If you're feeling there's a part of you that is shrinking, there's a part of you that you held on to and it's shrinking, and you don't know why it's shrinking, good. Good. Hang in there. That's because Yeshua, the patch, patched you up. And now it's going through the process of shrinking. I'm telling you, it's this that prevents people from understanding what God is doing. And that's why Yeshua was, was, was dealt with, these, with the Pharisees. Like They, 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 they had such a, an understanding in their own mind of what this is going to look like. Well, Judaism, that's going to be spread across the world. All of a sudden, God is like pouring out his spirit on these Gentiles over here. And they're like, huh, huh, huh. And they could either walk away from it or they could realize that God is doing something. And God is expanding their wineskins. We are in a time right now that God is very, very much looking for wineskins that are willing to expand. And looking for garments that are willing and able to shrink. And expand and contract along with the will of God. Are you willing to go through this process of expansion and shrinking down according to the will of God? In this time, in this hour, he is going to be challenging you on many things that you've held so sacred, theologies that are so sacred, ways of life that are so sacred, but God is so faithful because he loves you so much, he is going to stretch you in these matters. And if you submit to what God wants to do, then you will grow along with him and be a vessel for the new wine. And he is pouring out new wine all the time. All the time. All the time. All the time. So don't just pray away the times of stretching. It ain't going to work anyway. You can avoid it, and he'll just bring it back. Because if he's going to pour into you and you're going to stretch, he's going to keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it until you're obedient. Thank you, Adonai. 
Thank you, Lord, for, your, for, the, for the process. Thank you, Lord God, that, that you are faithful to stretch us. Thank you, Lord God, that we may be shaped one way, but you never leave us that way. You are forming us and transforming us and renewing us and, and, and forming us into the image of your son day by day by day, moment by moment by moment. And it's, it's religion and, and stubborn thoughts that prevent us from, from, from submitting to what you have us do and submitting us to the process that you are bringing forth, Lord God. We love the plans you have for us. We wouldn't choose the path for anything. But when we submit to your path, Lord God, we become wineskins ready to receive what you have. And Father, I pray that everyone here become new wineskins, malleable, flexible, able to receive, able to stretch to the point of discomfort, only to expand. Thank you, Adonai. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Adonai.